You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics in all honesty. I'm your host, Maris Young. Okay, thank you so much for being a guest on Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So, okay, first things first, here's the question that I like to ask all of my guests that come through here. Um, So starting with this, who is Jasmine? So I am a mom of two, a wife, and a new full-time entrepreneur. I've actually side hustled for about five years and now um, taking the full leap of faith into my business. I'm a brand coach, also a daughter and a mentee to many online and just helping people discover purpose. Wow. Congratulations on taking that step. I know that that can be nerve wracking and a little, um, a little scary to say the least, but, um, tell me more about your motherhood journey and and what you've learned, um, from being a mom. And and then we can chat a little bit more about how that's played into your role as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I had my son in 2013. And so at the time I was just growing in my corporate career. I had recently graduated in 2012. And the same day that I found out that I was pregnant with him, I actually found out that I got into grad school. So it was, (laughs) it was an interesting piece of my journey because I had to decide like, do I want to go all out with school and, you know, tackle motherhood at the same time and tackle my career at the the same time. So it was a fun Mm -hmm. journey. And then my second child, I just gave birth in January of this year. And so totally different journey this time around. We are married this time, um, more stable. And so it wasn't Mm -hmm. as scary. Uh, But motherhood has been an amazing journey for me. It really has opened up my eyes to just get a full picture of my full potential and like really want to go full out for my goals now that, you know, I have these little ones looking up to me and I have a legacy Mm -hmm. that I'm working on building for them. Mm, Yeah. So as you were faced with the decision to continue with your career and go into grad school while pregnant like how did you how did you walk through that time so I really did a lot of reflection on just trying to figure out what I wanted my life to look like in the next five to 10 years at that time. And so yeah. the job that I work was actually really, really stressful. I was working in retail management at the time and it paid really well. And there was a lot of opportunities for growth, um, but it was a high stress job and I really didn't want to have a ton of stress while I was pregnant. So that's when I made the decision to walk away from the first job. Something about pregnancy makes me quit jobs, but <laughs> and that's when I made a decision to walk away from my job. Um, and I actually started YouTubing at that time. So picking up okay. the camera and just really sharing with people what it was like becoming a young mother, what it was like to decide to be a stay at home mother at the time. And mm-hmm. luckily for me during the time right out of college, when I did land that job, I did a ton of saving. And so that gave me the space to be a stay at home mom for a little while while I figured everything out and finished up my master's degree. Okay. Wow. Okay. And so what did you study in grad school? I actually studied nonprofit management and it lends itself so well to my business. So I'm actually glad I did (laughs) go out and get that extra degree. Yeah. And so in what way were you able to take your experience as a mother and then what you were learning with your degree and really translate that into a business of your own? 
Yeah. So as a mom, I just was learning a lot about how to build strong routines. And Mm -hmm. so that really has helped me in business, because if you don't have strong routines or plans or time management, it makes it really difficult to balance the role as mom and business owner. And so Mm -hmm. I was using that a lot because I had to balance my studies with being a full time mom. And then also I was using my undergrad degree. My undergraduate degree is in PR and marketing. And so that worked really well for me as far as like getting customers online, building an online brand, getting really, really visible. I was able to use some of the things I learned in undergrad. And then with my graduate degree, it really just helped me with the business fundamentals. So Hmm. understanding how to structure my business, um, understanding how to manage the finances well, as well as really understanding like the organizational um, foundations that you need to kind of run and get a business up and started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was looking at your website, which is jasminechanel.com. And you mentioned that you are a brand coach that helps moms to ditch perfectionism and mom guilt. So can you talk to me a little bit more about what that means to you and how you help your clients to move through those? Yeah, so I am a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> um, being someone who is a high achiever from a very young age, I just, you know, learned to always strive for perfection just mm-hmm. because it brought a lot of praise from adults. You know, as mm-hmm. you're growing up, when you're a high achiever, everybody takes notice and, you know, your parents are able to brag on you. But as I became, as I got older, I realized um, that really it resulted in me having an inner critic in my head that was a lot harder on myself than those people around me. And Mm. so I was holding myself to these unrealistic standards of achieving certain goals, even in college, um, joining a ton of clubs and leading organizations and um, internships. And I just got to a place where I was tired of being on that hamster wheel of trying to be perfect. Um, Mm. And so the reason that I made this such a big focus in my business is because a lot of us take that from childhood, from college age into adulthood and motherhood. And really what we're doing is creating kids that repeat that same cycle. And so I didn't want um, my son to have a lot of those same triggers or things that, you know, he couldn't just push past, you know, solving certain problems and things like that. Um, right. and so I wanted to work on that for myself. And in doing so, I learned a lot of strategies to help me not be such a perfectionist. And I um, coach my clients through that by helping them realize that the things that we're creating when we're putting it out there, um, even online or either in person, when we're creating services and products, really is to serve someone else, is to solve mm-hmm. a problem from someone else. And so the way I was able to free myself from perfectionism and help my clients do the same thing is really helping them take themselves out of the equation and helping Mm -hmm. them look at, okay, how can this serve someone else? And so if I don't show up today because of, you know, things are not perfect, there's going to be another mom out there that's going to struggle financially, or there's going to be a mom out there that doesn't launch her business because I didn't show up um, the way that I was supposed to and walking in my gift and my calling. And so that's the biggest way that I coach people through is just helping them take themselves out of the equation and realize that their gift is going to serve other people and impact other people in a much larger way if they can push past perfection. Wow. I love that. And I think that's something that a lot of women in general, I would say right now are struggling with because we are in this social media golden age, if you will. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of pressure to be present on social media. And then there's also a lot of pressure to like put yourself out there and to talk about whatever it is that lights you up or whatever business that you're pursuing. And I, I think I see a lot of people, including myself, who 
who can tend to shy away from putting themselves out there because they are afraid of not being perfect or afraid of the Mm -hmm. criticism that they might receive. So can you speak to a little bit more about um, how you help people show up authentically when they are wanting to present themselves on social media? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I work with my clients on is brand story. So helping them realize, okay, there's specific experiences or things that they have in their life that um, works well with the product or service that they're offering. And Mm -hmm. how can we get that passion to the forefront? And so a lot of times that helps them get over that fear of putting themselves out there because we talk through and figure out what thing they're most passionate about, um, Mm -hmm. what thing they have experienced and how we can actually tie that to their um, product or service. And with that passion, it tends to push out the fear. So it it allows them Mm -hmm. to, you know, share something they're really passionate about, um, be them their authentic self. It allows them to have the freedom to talk transparently with their audience because I also coach them on mindset and really thinking through again, like how is this impacting other people instead Mm -hmm. of thinking on the, you know, vanity side of, oh, what will people think? Instead, I help them think about, okay, what will people feel as a result of me sharing this? Um, Mm -hmm. How can their life change as a result? So it really helps them by discovering their brand story. It helps them, again, kind of step out of the equation. It's not about them. Um, It's about sharing some experiences in the hopes that someone else will be impacted in a positive way. Mm, That's really powerful. And I like that you keep bringing up like taking yourself out of the equation Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it's not about us, the creator, you know, it's about the impact that we're looking to leave in our audience. And um, so you've mentioned brand story. Can you share a little bit more about what elements are found in a brand story and maybe define what a brand story even is? Yeah. So your brand story essentially is a tool that you can use to position yourself as an expert in your field um, based on your past experiences. So I have three main brand stories that I share. And really what it is, is it allows your audience um, to resonate with the content that you're creating Mm -hmm. to build the know, like, and trust factor. So in this online space, um, people are very distrusting. And Mm -hmm. so when you are trying to sell a service or product, it's important for your audience to know you, to like you and trust you. And so there's a couple steps we have to take to get to that place. Um, For your audience to get to know you, it's important to like share information about like your education or information about your background. Um, Mm -hmm. When it comes to them getting to like you, it's important for you to share your personality. That's the biggest element for that factor. You want to make sure that um, you're sharing the little quirks and things that make you unique. So your audience can decide like, oh, I really like this person. Their story resonates with me. And then And um, as far as the trust factor, and this is the biggest thing that I coach people through, is that that's the place where you have to get transparent and vulnerable. Mm. And so your audience is not going to trust you until you get transparent and vulnerable. And that's where people make sales decisions. And Mm. so just information or just personality is not really enough for them to make a buying decision. But trust is the way for them to be able to do that. So 
um, outside of having a bomb website and logo and things like that, I always let people know that it's important to know that brain story because ultimately that's what it's going to help people make the buying decision because people can look past, you know, a logo or a website if it's not all that great, if they really right. fall in love with your story and your personality and um, if they see themselves in your story, that's a big thing too. That'll help them convert to the actual customer. Oh, okay. So there are a lot of things I want to dig deeper into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to start with this one. So I totally agree that being transparent and vulnerable um, has a place in garnering trust and really showing up in in an authentic way on social media. But how do you coach your clients through um, finding a balance between what to share and what to keep to themselves? And, you know, walking that line of wanting to cultivate trust, but also wanting to keep things, some things private, you know, just for the family. Yeah. So this is a a funny question I get all the time. And Mm. what's actually interesting is that I'm a very private person Mm. by nature, but when people see me show up online, they think I'm an open book. The cool thing about um, understanding your brand story and understanding your audience is that you get to choose Mm-hmm. what you share and what you don't. Like, I don't, you know, talk about discipline in my kids. I don't talk about my marriage that much. You know, there's certain things that I don't share. And so the cool thing is that you can be open and vulnerable without um, sacrificing privacy by choosing which brand stories. And so when I'm mm-hmm. working with people one-on-one, this is another thing we work through is we decide which brand story do you have that relates to your products or services that you can show vulnerability, um, that you feel completely open and honest to do that. And so depending on the client, depending on what they're offering, they're pretty open and clear with their story already when they decided on that specific business endeavor. So for instance, I had a young lady that I was working with who uh, focuses on healing, inner healing. And Mm -hmm. so she had specific, um, Things that happened in her past that she was able to heal from that she was ready to share. And then she had certain things that she didn't want to touch at all. And I said, okay, focus on those three things that you've healed from already that, you know, you can guide other people to healing under. And then, you know, just focus all your content on that. Don't even mention this other area. Mm -hmm. And so you want to just pick the things that you can be open and honest about so that um, it comes through authentically to your audience. So you don't have to be a full open book, but pick you know, like three chapters in your book that you would be willing to share with your audience. I like that metaphor. And mm-hmm. so what is what is kind of your approach to Instagram stories? Because what I've seen like since the rise of that feature is mm-hmm. a tendency to want to share like your whole day, you know, in little right. snippets. And and I'm mm-hmm. guilty of this as well. Like I'm in a in a space right now and I'm I'm stepping back to reflect on how I want to use this. I'm curious about how you guide people towards sharing in that format and um, how you also help people to, to show up um, and still share their brand story in, um, in using Instagram stories. So I absolutely love Instagram stories because it allows me to get back to my blogging YouTube <laughs> roots without all yeah. the editing. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. But the, The key with Instagram stories is you want to be consistent 
and you also want to take people on a journey. And right. so where people miss out on stories is when they ramble. And I do this sometimes too, but like if you ramble and talk through and they just see you in the same scene over and over again, you want to think mm-hmm. of it more like a sitcom. So like if you were watching an episode of Girlfriends, um, they're going to set the scene up. They're going to show you like the outside of Joan's apartment. They're going to show you different things to let you know that you're changing a scene and it's not just people talking at the camera head on and so when you're doing instagram stories you want to do that same thing you want to give people like a setting um you don't have to say it but like i always say good morning good afternoon or whatever time of day it is because i'm giving people a setting of time when it happened even no matter what time they watch the instagram story they know that you know it was monday morning or whatever when i recorded this mm-hmm. also Um, All my stories have a beginning, middle, and end. So Mm -hmm. I've already decided when I first turn on the camera in the morning, I decided what the climax of the day it's going to be. So is it me shopping for a specific outfit for a speaking engagement? Is it like I give my full full agenda at the beginning of the day? Is it this coaching call I'm looking forward to or a podcast interview that I'm looking forward to? I mention that early in the day. And then I spend the rest of the day kind of going to that specific thing. And so really Mm -hmm. allows people to be a part of my day without being here front and center. But they also get a sense of my personality again, because we're working on building that new like and trust factor. They get information around, you know, around me as a person, they get to see my personality, and then they'll see some vulnerability throughout based on, you know, what things are happening in my day. So I always tell people it's good to document the things that you're already doing versus trying to sit down and create something new. So if I know I have this interview today, I'm going to already have it in my mind that, oh, I need to take a boomerang or a snapshot of us doing this. So I can include it in my Instagram stories. Yes. I like that. I think that's a good approach. um, What you mentioned in just sharing what you're already doing. So that way you're not adding extra stress, extra tasks onto your already probably very busy day. Um, and I also, I like the way that you approach, you know, sharing a story from beginning, middle to end. And before you even hop on stories, you have an idea of what you're going to share. I think Mm -hmm. that also allows for a balance of knowing like, okay, so I'm only going to share things that are, um, in line with today's story. And Mm -hmm. I think that could really cut down on a lot of the overwhelm that I hear people experiencing when it comes to wanting to share their whole day. Right. Right. Yeah. And it get like, sometimes you can get lost in yes. it. So there's yes. certain days where I'm like, Oh wait, that didn't go with what I'm covering today or that isn't. And so you can delete. Sometimes I go back and delete stuff or I leave it, but yeah, it does help with the overwhelm if you have a goal in mind. And then right. I'm also strategic based on what I'm marketing at the time. So mm. right now I have my mom to mogul program. We're in a launch phase. And so I'm going, I'm showing really heavily the mom stuff that I have happening right now. Mm. Whereas if I wanted to say I was in a launch period for my branding program, I'll be showing more of the behind the scenes of me working with branding clients so that people can be more interested in that at the moment. Mm. Yeah. So do you think that in having a strategy like this, does that detract from like authentic connection because there is an element of, you know, kind of scripting things or Mm -hmm. um, like curating things in a certain way? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So the way that I keep the authenticity there is that I ask questions throughout Mm. um, the story. So, whether it's, hey, guys, I have a speaking engagement today. These are the two outfits that I'm thinking about wearing. Which one do you guys vote on? 
And so my mm-hmm. audience is always a part of the journey. They're always a part of what's going on in that way. That helps me stay connected to them versus just posting content to talk at them. Right, um, right. Yeah, so I, I, tr- I try to keep that in mind. And then I also think about things as I'm sharing and sometimes I overshare. Mm-hmm. How is this going to impact or be valuable for them? Mm-hmm. So I'm always thinking about like, how can I give back? Will this sh- me, will me showing this give somebody some encouragement today? Will it motivate them to do a little more? That's usually the feedback that I get. Like, oh my gosh, you did all of that today. I need to get myself together. So that's usually the biggest feedback. And so that's why I share too, is like, okay, I know this is going to be valuable for someone who's yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah. How to navigate all of this. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts when it comes to creating content that's, you know, providing value all the time versus, you know, also sprinkling in some things that may not necessarily be valuable, but you are inspired to create. How do you find a balance with things like that? So I go back to my brand stories. Mm -hmm. So if I know my three brand stories right now are entrepreneurship, um, motherhood and being, uh, and being a newlywed technically. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm posting something and it doesn't fall into one of those three categories, then I won't post it Mm -hmm. or I'll find a way to make it fit Mm -hmm. into one of those categories. So for instance, um, there was one day a couple weeks ago, my daughter would not take a nap. And so I had a cute picture of her just being overly tired that I really wanted to (laughs) post, but I'm like, how do I tie this to one of my brand stories? And so what I did is I talked about in that same photo. Yes, she looks super tired and I'm smiling in the photo, but I talked about the fact that she wouldn't take a nap, but how being at home with her is still something I enjoy and how this is what I'm going to get done in my business when she finally does nap, or this is Mm -hmm. how I balance it. Now that she didn't take a nap, we're going to go work on these three things that don't require the same amount of focus as if I was working through, through her nap time. So I always tie it back to their overarching strategy, but also to my overarching three main brand stories. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Okay. And then something else that you mentioned, and then something that I hear from a lot of coaches right now is wanting to find a sense of expertise so that you can position yourself as an expert in whatever industry or field that you find yourself in. So how do you help people to first identify their expertise and then like set them up to, to start delivering it? Yeah. So we focus on actually thinking through what they already are getting praised on. So whether it's at their day job, you know, it's something that they always get complimented on or, you know, the role that they hold at their job, or we look at, okay, what, what compliments do you get from your family? What do people always come to you for advice on? Mm -hmm. Those type of things will really show you like what your gifts are, what things you're naturally talented at. And then we work on actually packaging that into a service. So depending Mm -hmm. on what their natural gift is, we determine, okay, do they need to offer a service or do they need to offer a product? And then what does that look like? Um, And actually marketing it based on their specific brand story. So um, one example, I have a young lady I work with who she herself went through an abortion at a very young age. And so she works with women of faith to help them overcome the guilt and shame um, from that period in their life. Yeah. And she's doing very powerful work. 
but we couldn't figure out how to, or she couldn't figure out at first how to market that in a way that didn't offend people, but also made people feel really comfortable with coming to her for this service. And what we did is we, we packaged it up in a way that she could offer it as a group program. Hmm. And so by offering it in that way, not only was she able to, you know, guide women through this process based on the steps that she had taken to heal from that. Um, but she was also able to identify what specific things women needed in that situation. Hmm. So when it comes to the gift or the things that you want to offer to the world, you also want to think through, okay, what specific things that I need when I was in the place of the people that I was, that I'm serving. Mm -hmm. And so she thought about that to her, I think 19 or 20 year old self, what she could have used at that time, what support, what information she wished she would have had that maybe would have changed, you know, how that situation played out for her. And then what things she needed to heal um, in her adult life and to, you know, continue to press forward. And that's the things that now she offers as a group program to women. Wow. And so, okay, I've got to be honest. The word expert makes me feel some type of way. And uh-huh. <laughs> I I think it just like, I think it starts to tug at that perfectionism muscle that I used to exercise so regularly in the mm-hmm. past because it makes me feel like I need to know everything. If I call mm-hmm. myself an expert, which I'm very like hesitant to do, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm putting myself out there as someone who knows everything about what it is that I'm setting out to do. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So really what you you will know best is everything on your specific place in the journey that you're in based on Mm. the service or product that you're offering. And so I too struggled with calling myself a coach. I struggled with calling myself a strategist. But what I had to look at is that the clients that I'm looking for, that's what they're searching for. Mm -hmm. That's where they're, they're you know, what they're typing into Google or what they're telling their friends they need. They need a brand coach. They need a brand expert. They need, you know, a brand strategist. And so if I was over here calling myself, oh, brand person, or I kind of know what I'm doing as a brand, um, to guide people on their branding, it would make it hard for my ideal customer to find me, which Mm -hmm. means that they wouldn't get the impact or the gift that I'm offering. So you want to be, you know, confident in the gift that you are offering. And maybe you work up to the word expert, but for now you focus on calling yourself a strategist in that area or a consultant in that area until you work up to the word expert, but also increase your skill. That's the Mm -hmm. other thing. Like I worked on to get that to continue the confidence is I, you know, took more courses. Um, I work with other coaches, brand coaches in my industry. I, you know, keep up with trends. And what I kept finding is that people would confirm that I already knew it. And so the wow. more I would put myself in a space to pay to learn more, I would go through a course and the coach was like, well, you know more about branding than me uh-huh. or, you know, you should be charging more or girl, you're already an expert. You know, you went to school for this or, you know, you did it for 10 years in your corporate job. So give yourself a little more credit. A lot of times we don't give ourselves credit for the things that we've already learned. And also because it comes easy to us, mm-hmm. we think that we can't charge for it or we think that we can't be an expert, but just in the simple fact that it comes easy easy to you when it may be something that takes the average person a long time to get through is, you know, that represents that you are a little more advanced or an expert versus the average everyday person who's trying to do that thing. Mm. I love that. Thank you for that advice. (laughs) You're welcome. So what are the most common obstacles that your clients come to you with when they're looking to start a new business venture? 
So the biggest one is fear. A lot of people are held back simply because they are afraid to try something new. They're afraid to fail. They're afraid of the opinions of other people. Um, so fear is all, always the number one. Um, the second one is time. Okay. So they don't think that they have enough time to actually launch a business or a side hustle. They're trying to juggle their role of motherhood and all of these things. Um and so they think, you know, they don't have the time to actually put into it. And then the other thing is just themselves are really standing in the way. The biggest thing is like mindset. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started coaching people, I just focused on branding and brand strategy and social media strategy. And what I found that it, it didn't matter how much strategy we put into place, if they didn't have the mindset or the confidence to believe that they could actually execute, it will fail every time. Mm-hmm. But it didn't matter how good the strategy. So I would have two different clients that I gave very similar strategies to and one would excel and scale their business and ride off into the sunset. Yeah. And one would be in the same place year after year. And it all came down to mindset and, you know, the confidence to actually do it. So really pushing past that fear and gaining the confidence to go after the goal that you have. And, and it doesn't have to be business. This is in any sense mm-hmm. um, where the biggest things. And what I found is that clarity is what breeds confidence for a lot of people. So once they get clear on the value that they offer, once they get clear on, okay, here's why I can do this, here are the abilities that I have that support that, then it's easier to build the confidence. And then we work from there to build up the strategy. Mm. I think that's important. I think I see a lot of women right now who are struggling with that confidence. Mm -hmm. I definitely see a link between mindset and also the ability to like put yourself out there and actually go for what you want, provided that you've received that clarity and identified what it is that you are truly going after. So I like that you work with people on that crucial element of, yeah. <laughs> uh, of building a business. I think oftentimes that can get left by the wayside, but it's it's so essential. Definitely. And so I'd like to learn a little bit more about how you personally walked through the process of building this business as you were, you know, having your children, learning how to be a wife and like going to school, like what, what did that look like as you were starting to become more clear on your own personal goals? So it was crazy, (laughs) especially, um, especially the first two to three years. So when I first, first started the business, my first attempt at doing it was right before I graduated grad school. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working with nonprofit organizations on building their social media. So I was offering social media management. I was offering graphic design, email marketing, website editing, anything you could think of. I was offering it to nonprofits at a very low rate. And so I was getting really burnt out because I was balancing grad school at the same time and being a stay-at-home mom. And so after doing it for about two years, I'm like, "Uh, I don't think this is me. So I'm going to go back to work. Um, Once my son was able to talk, then I sent him to daycare uh, and went back to work. And so even when I was working, I always felt like I should do something else outside of work. Um, And so I'm like, let me pick my social media Thing back up. Let me try this again. So I tried again a little bit and I, you know, wasn't serious. I would go in and out of playing, went around with it. And then we got engaged. And so once I got engaged, my husband and I decided we wanted to do a hundred percent debt-free wedding. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, this is the perfect time to pick up the, pick the business back up. I'll just use that to, you know, fund my portion of paying for the wedding. Wow. And so that's when I got really serious about it. And it came to a point where once I got pregnant with my daughter, 
that I was making more doing less in the business than I was making in my day job. Wow. And so at one point, and I think I really think the company found out about my business, but at one point they kind of were like, we, we don't think you want to be here. And so mm. I went through this performance management phase where they were trying to performance manage me out. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this. Like mm. I'm making more money on the weekends doing this part time. And so um, when I was about five months pregnant with my daughter is when I stepped out on faith and decided to do this full time. So it was crazy navigating it in the beginning. And that's why I'm passionate about coaching as well, because it helped, I get to help other women avoid some of those pitfalls and mistakes that I made, burning myself out in the beginning, trying to offer all the things, trying to serve so many people mm. and not having a focused strategy um, is why I really enjoy coaching because I can help people avoid that and like really feel confident in what they're doing so that when they are able to, are ready to make an exit, if that's their desire, um, then they have a blueprint they can use to actually do that. And then a lot of my clients have no desire to do this full time. Mm. Um, they, you know, they just want something on the side that can fund their vacations. And so I support them through that as well, just figuring out how to structure their business in a way that it balances with their life. Wow. So what were some of the biggest lessons that you learned as you were navigating this journey of, you know, working and getting your degree, being a mom and everything, you know, and then building your business? Like what were what were some of the main takeaways that you had? So the biggest takeaway was setting boundaries. And okay. this was in business and life. I just did not have the time while I was building this to go to every birthday party, every mm. girl's trip. I, I just couldn't do both at the same time. And that time of sacrificing really paid off when it was time for me to jump off into this full time because I had built the track record of consistency um, online. I had built a track record of showing up like my my audience has has seen me go through the journey. And that's the other fun part is they got to see me for as a fresh college graduate all wow. the way up until now, like wife and mom of two. And so they got to see this journey. So the biggest thing was setting boundaries, um, learning how to say no, learning how to delegate things around the house when things got crazy. And then also really just trusting in my abilities. And I know it's really cliche to say, believe in yourself, um, but we're not taught that. And so we're taught to question our decisions, question our instincts. Um, we're taught to take the safe route all throughout school. And then you get to adult life and it's like, life is all about taking risk. And so if yeah. you are risk averse, it makes it really hard to succeed. And so that was the biggest thing for me, learning how to take risk and trust my instincts and trust my abilities to um, be able to do some of the things that I you know, wrote down in my journal. Right. How did you cultivate the boundaries that you said that you learned to set and then also the ability to to step out on a limb and take a risk or two? So as it relates to the boundaries, I read a book and I don't remember what book it was, but somewhere in the book, the author said, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Mm -hmm. So when someone presents an opportunity to you, if someone asks you to pick up their kid, if someone asks you to come to their networking event or their fundraiser, if you are not like, hell yes, I want to be there, yeah, then say no. And so that made it really easy to eliminate things, eliminate a lot of the busy work uh, and set some good boundaries because you know if I wasn't super passionate about doing the thing, I could just say no. And then learning how to take risk is there's no strategy. There's no way 
you can prepare for that until you just take a risk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I just got really comfortable with not being attached to the outcome of things. Mm-hmm. And so if there's something I want to launch, I'll try it. If nobody signs up, nobody buys that specific program. Well, at least I know I tried it. I'll give it six months, reevaluate some things, try it again. If it doesn't work, then okay, I can decide from there. So I, I detached myself from the outcome of some of the decisions that business requires because the type A personality in me wants to plan everything down to the minute. Right. And I've learned that that does not work with entrepreneurship and it also doesn't work with motherhood. <laughs> um, so I've learned to be more flexible in accepting what outcome comes. Wow. Yeah. So what tips can you share? Let's say, there is a mom listening to this and she has an inkling of an idea of what it is that she wants to pursue, but she is struggling with that fear. She's not really sure that she can actually take the risk to put it out there. Like, How can she get started with that journey? Yeah. So the easiest way to get started is to first identify those gifts. Um, So think through if you have a specific idea, like which of your talents or your gifts relates to the idea and Mm -hmm. then decide what problem you're solving. That is the biggest one. A lot of people skip that part. So they go from an idea to marketing or to a website or to business cards or business name. But really you want to get clear around, okay, who Um, what problem is my idea solving and who is it solving it for? So um, are you solving a problem for moms? Are you solving a problem for women in general? Are you solving a problem for men or kids or getting really clear around who you're solving the problem for and then also what the problem is? Because if the problem is not big enough, if the problem is not urgent enough, um, people are not going to buy whatever it is that you're launching. And so a lot of times we launch things that we think are fun or things that we think are cute, um, but not really doing the research to determine, is there a need for this thing and who has the need? And then also determining who has the resources Mm. to purchase this thing that you're offering. And so a lot of times we step out in business on with a heart to serve people, but depending on what you're offering, it's going to come up, there's going to be a rate associated with what you're offering. And so you want to make sure that you're launching something or the thing that you're launching correlates with um, who has the resources to actually purchase. So for instance, I had someone who um, wanted to help homeless women. Mm Um, get back on their feet and, you know, help them learn about budgeting and financial literacy. And so I had to kind of work with her and explain like they can't pay you for this service um, that you're offering. So you essentially be creating this entire business model to serve homeless women. And then you'll be putting yourself in poverty to do it Mm. uh, because they won't be able to pay your rate. And so what we had to do instead is she had to shift her audience to focus on the nonprofits or the government agencies that Um, help homeless women and get them to pay her. And she comes in and teaches these financial literacy classes to their population Mm. that still allows her to serve the audience that she wants to serve. But now she's targeting her messaging to the agency that can actually pay for it. So she's showing up as a resource for, you know, um, homeless shelters or women's shelters. She's showing up as a resource for them versus trying to target homeless women in her content. Right. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I like that. And that brings up a question um, and kind of a concern that I hear from a lot of women, which is they're afraid to make money for whatever it is that they want to pursue. And they don't want to feel salesy or they don't want people to um, to know that they're like out there trying to market something that is going to 
generate an income. So what advice do you have for people who are still grappling with the um, that like money mindset? Yeah. So if you are afraid to sell, it's probably because you haven't got a clear understanding of the value of the thing that you're offering. Mm. So every single thing that any of us have, like gift, anything that we're offering or talent, it has value um, and it makes an impact. And so really what sales is, is just an exchange in value. Mm. And so if you take money out of it and don't look at the amount, instead look at, okay, I'm giving this many hours of time, knowledge, research, um, you know, two degrees, sleepless nights, conferences, all of these things that are in my brain. I'm exchanging this with this person for this amount of money. And so if you take the money amount out of it, it's really just an exchange in value. And so when you get really clear on the value that you're offering other people, then it doesn't feel as salesy. That's something that did take me a long time because I didn't want to ask for the sale. Mm -hmm. And instead, what I look at it as now is I'm not asking for a sale. What I'm doing is presenting an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So someone has a problem. I have a solution to their problem, but they don't know I have the solution until I tell them. And so if, you know, if your kid had a cut on their hand and they're walking around, they're bleeding with this cut on their finger and you have band-aids in the cabinet, it doesn't serve either of you by you just keeping the band-aids in the cabinet, but by you taking it out and offering it to them, now they have a solution to their problem that you were able to provide. And so when you look at sales as an exchange in value, um, as you serving your gift to the world or you giving someone something that they need, then it makes sense for you to get paid for that thing. Um, and so when we, and a lot of times I hear, cause I work with a lot of women of faith and as a woman of faith, I hear this most for the women who work in ministry, mm. but really, I mean, it says in the Bible that your gifts will make room for you. Mm. And so God doesn't want us to be in poverty out here sharing our gifts. Like it's, there's an exchange, um, that takes place by you sharing your gift with the world. So don't feel like it's salesy. Instead, look of it, look at it as, okay, I have a solution. They have a problem. Let's make this exchange so that you can get the solution that you need to, you know, get that transformation that you're seeking. Mm. That That's a really excellent way to look at it. And I think that approach will help a lot of people to, mm-hmm. to settle into the fact that they are producing something of value, something that is going to help people out there. And there should be no shame or any guilt about receiving an exchange um, that results in an income for you. Because I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. forget because social media is free to use and people can just be Mm -hmm. on there scrolling and looking at people's content. But for the content creators out there, we're all aware of how much time and effort it takes to be putting right. together courses and eBooks and websites and uh, social media strategies and all of these things. And while we're not charging for that, we have to be able to support ourselves in some other way. And so right. for those who are looking for the solutions, I think it's also um, a good idea for the the clients or the like potential clients to keep in mind that this is how you can support those that are out there who are truly trying to serve you in a positive way. Right. Okay. So as we come full circle, where can people find you and stay in touch with your work? 
Yeah, so I am most active and present on Instagram. Okay. So you can find me at underscore Jasmine Chanel, and it's spelled J-A-S-M-I-N-E-C-H-A-N-E-L-L-E. Um, you also can find me on jasminechanel.com. Um, but like I said, Instagram is where I hang out the most and I have the most fun interacting with my audience over there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine. I really enjoyed this conversation. No problem. I enjoyed talking with you. And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother. And then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maurice Young. <laughs>